Hey, Redemption Gateway, happy Mother's Day, and seniors, welcome to your senior send-off. I know this is not ideal, but we're making the best of what God has given us. And I want to let you all know, the church, on how we can enter into this uh, for our seniors and bless them. Next Sunday, May 17th, we're going to have our senior send-off, adopt a senior. What we're going to do is we're going to have a drive-through through our church, come in the east side of parking lot, and there's actually going to be banners of each of our seniors, and we're going to have as many of our seniors as we can here. Here, standing there, and we're going to honk and cheer and do a wonderful drive-through celebration for our seniors. And part of that, you'll be given a paper where you can do uh, this thing we've been doing for years now called the Adopt a Senior, where you get to adopt a senior and you get to bless them with gifts next year as they head off into whatever's next for them in this uh, chapter of life. So make sure you mark your calendars, May seventeenth, six thirty to seven thirty. Uh, we're going to have a drive-through celebration for our seniors. We'll have uh, banners with pictures of all our seniors, as many seniors as we can here. You're going to drive through. We won't be touching. There'll be social distancing uh, going on for sure, but you'll be able to adopt a senior and bless that senior uh, next year. So make sure you make that a part of your uh, Sunday experience next Sunday from 6.30 to 7.30. So this message is for seniors. This is our senior send-off. I have been your pastor, your student pastor now. If you've been here since you were in sixth grade, seven years some of you have been listening to, listening to me give messages. And that's what I'm going to do yet again. I'm a preacher. I'm a teacher. I love God's Word, and I love bring, bringing God's Word into your life. And that's what we're going to do again in this moment one last time as your high school pastor. And I want to read this passage, and then I want to answer two questions from this passage. Here's the passage we're in. It's Matthew 7, verse 24 through verse 27. Remember, this is God's word. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Seniors, here is my last message to you as your high school pastor. Here is my big idea summary statement. Your future may have endless options, but your foundation has only two. Let me say that again. Your future may have endless options, but your foundation has only two. I want to look at this story that Jesus gives actually after what we've been going through, the Lord's Prayer, the Sermon on the Mount, all these key moments, teaching moments of Jesus' life. This is uh, at the end of it, almost as a way to summarize and put a period on the end of what Jesus was saying and saying, here's how I want to frame everything I've been saying. And he gives this story about two people who built houses, one built on the rock, one built on the sand. The storms came, the wind blew, the rain fell, and one fell, that which one, the one which was built on the sand, and the other one stood. And here's what we're talking about. Your future may have endless options, but your foundation only has two. I love you guys so much. I really miss seeing you. I miss being around you, I miss the energy you bring. I miss everything about Wednesday nights. And I miss bringing God's word into your life. 
but that's what I hope to do in this moment. One more time, let's walk through God's Word together. And I'm going to ask two simple questions of this pretty easy to understand story. It's not complicated. Not our smartest students and our less than smart students can understand what Jesus just said. We're going to ask two questions of this story. The first one is, what are the two foundations? And then how do you build on each of these foundations? So here's the first question. What are these two foundations? We just read it, but just to point it out again, verse 24 Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Foundation number one, the rock. Let's go to verse 26. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Foundation number two, the sand. So what are the two foundations? According to Jesus, in this life, we have two options for our foundation. The rock... Or the sand. You have two options. Now I've been just chewing on and wrestling with and praying through. Why only two foundations? And more more specifically what I've been praying. Why is it important for us to understand that there are only two options Jesus is giving for our lives. In the foundation we build our lives on. And I came up with a few reasons. We could say, well, because Jesus said it and it's the Bible. Of course it's true. Well, that's one of the reasons I believe. But I think there's multiple reasons why having Two options is actually good for us. Here's the first one. Your own personal health will benefit from thinking about less options. Like, this is just a reality for being a young person, 18, 19, and even into your 20s. You look out and you see a world filled with opportunity and possibilities. And here's what it does to a lot of us. It creates a sort of crippling anxiety because there's so many options. Well, which one do I pick? It's like me trying to shop at Fry's when my wife sends me. I hate it. It's the worst thing in the world to go to Fry's and to get a can of beans. And there's 56 bean options. I don't know. I don't care. And it just frustrates me. That's why I like Costco. I got one can of bean. It's this big, but that's the beans I'm going to get. There's one option. And as you look ahead to your future, a lot of you are focusing on all your future possibilities. And there's nothing necessarily wrong or sinful or bad about that. But just in my experience, here's what I've seen. It can create this sort of paralyzing anxiety because there's so many options. Like I wrote down a few. Like what college to choose from? Endless options. What major to choose from? What's my future career? Who's my future spouse out of the billions of people on this earth? Who am I going to choose from my future spouse? Let's shrink it down to even a smaller option. Uh, Monday, tomorrow, when everything opens up, which burger are you going to choose? You've got a million burger options to choose from here in the Southeast Valley. There are options galore. And I just want to release some pressure. One of my favorite pastors wrote a book, Just Do Something. And he wrote it to the college kids of his church. And his point was, you guys stress about marrying the right person, uh, making the right choice, choosing the right career out of the gate when you're 18, 19. Just, just do something. Just move ahead. Be faithful to God. Just, just go ahead and do something. Don't stress about uh, threading the needle and getting this perfect. Simplify your options. And I want to tell you, that's what this story tells me to tell you in this moment. Really, when it's all said and done, as you think about your house and all the options for your house, or metaphor, say life, Jesus says, yeah, but at the end of the day, you got this foundation here, sand, and you got this foundation here, rock. And have you thought about which of these options you're building your life on? 
it simplifies this process of thinking about and figuring out life in the next decade or two decades or three decades. What out of those two options have you chosen, the rock or the sand? So many of you are fretting and worrying and just, and on the flip side, actually encourage and excite about all the options. Either if it's worry or overexcitement about all the possibilities. I don't want you to stop dreaming, but I do want you to stop and think, what foundation am I standing on as I head out? That's the first thing. Limiting our options is going to help us in the long run. Here's the other reason why I think two options is good. Our hearts naturally fight to be graded on some sort of scale. What do I mean by that? Nobody likes to be pigeonholed. None of you like to be put in a box. I don't like to be put in a box. Oh, I know exactly what Josh is like. He's exactly this. Nobody likes to be put in a box. Nobody likes to be given just two options in life. It's this or this. It's the, the pass or fail. Nobody likes that in school. We like an A, A plus, A minus, B, B plus, C, D, F, E. We like to have a scale so that we can kind of land on a moving target of where we're at in our life with our, with our goodness, with our grades, with whatever it is. We like to have that scale option. My kindergartner, Jude, got in a fight with his brother. And I was talking to him and just saying, Jude, do you, do you think you're perfect? And he said, no, I'm not Jesus. Right answer. Good job. And then follow up question. Well, do you, how much do you think you're like Jesus? He's like, I'm like 70% like Jesus. And Jude's answer reveals the answer of all of our hearts. We never want to say we're an F, we're total failures. We never have the courage and the boldness to say we're 100% or we're an A+. I'm like a 70%. And here's what this story does not allow. Jesus doesn't say you can be 70% rock, 30% sand. I'm like 60% sand and 40% rock. Jesus says they built their house on the rock or they built their house on the sand. But our hearts fight to kind of have this scale. And it's good. Jesus brings us in and he, and he narrows us down and he says, it's, it's this or it's this. Which one are you? Which takes us to our third reason why it's good just to have these two options. And this is uh, what I said at the beginning. It's because Jesus says there's only two options. Why is it good to say there's only two options for a foundation? Well, because that's what Jesus says. And if he says it, then it's true and it's right. And it's the best way to view this world. But he doesn't just say it here. He says it everywhere. Almost every time Jesus is talking about sort of the foundational life or he's talking about judgment in the coming day when he comes back to judge all things, he always uh, leaves us with this. There are two options for our foundation and for our ultimate judgment. He talks about there's a narrow way that some of us find and then there's a wide path that so many of us are just naturally on. He says there's two types of trees, a bad tree that gives bad fruit or a good tree that gives good fruit. He says, at the end of time, when I gather all one, all, everyone together for ultimate judgment, where I sift through everything that's been done, said, thought, whatever it is, there's going to be sheeps and there's going to be goats, and I'm going to separate them. There are two options. And when you are building your house, as you look ahead, class of 2020, or whoever you are that is listening, here's what I want you to know from God's word. Jesus says there are two options to build your life on, to build your house on, to build your uh, future and your focus. It's two options, the rock or the sand. And here's what your foundation ultimately is. It's what your life is built on 
And then here's the other thing that's implied by the storm coming and crashing and leveling one of the houses. Your foundation is not only what it's built on, it's, it's what's going to be revealed when life storms come and demolish and wreak havoc. So it's what is actually there, whether you're thinking about it or not. It's what your life is being built on. But then also when life storms, when actual little storms like COVID and cancer and health issues and uh, rough patches and relationships, whatever it is, when storms come, what gets revealed is what is at your foundation. And ultimately, we're all heading towards this day when Jesus is going to come back and judge the living and the dead. And what he's going to look at is the foundation on which our lives have been built. And he says there's two options. You have the rock or you have the sand. Which of these do you want to have as your foundation? Talk about the most obvious question of all time. Well, duh, the rock. But here's a better way to ask that question. Which of these foundations are you building as you step out now on your own? Like which of these foundations are the foundations you're standing on seniors as you step out into this world? Which one? It leads us to our second question is how do you build on each of these foundations? Jesus has made it abundantly clear in this story and throughout all the gospels. There are two foundations we're building our lives, the rock or the sand. Well, then the follow up is how do I build my life on each of these? What, what's the determining factor? Is it good works? Is it good deeds? Is it church attendance? Is it how much I read the Bible? Is it how much I give to the poor? Is it how much I'm esteemed in my house amongst my siblings? No, it's much more simple than that. This is what Jesus says. Verse 24 again says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them. Rock. Verse 26. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them is building their life on the sand. So how do you build on each? If you hear the voice of Jesus and do what he says, you are building your life on the rock. If you hear the voice of Jesus and do not do what he says, you are building your life on the sand. That is what Jesus says. Now we could end right there and that would be a message in and of itself. Listen to Jesus and you do what he says and you will build your life on the rock. Or avoid the voice of Jesus and you are building your life on the sand. But as somebody who loves you a lot and likes to try to make the word of God applicable to you where you're at, I just want to, I want to share four areas where I think the voice of Jesus is going to enter into your life. I think it's just general how he speaks. It's not always just one tone Jesus is using. He, he speaks into different areas and categories. And I want to talk through the four ways you're going to hear Jesus' voice in your life. You've already heard some of this, uh, and you're going to keep hearing it for the rest of your life. This is how Jesus' voice comes to us. Here's the first way Jesus' voice comes to us. What's this voice of Jesus going to ask us to do? The first thing is Jesus' voice invites you to follow him. The voice of Jesus invites us to follow him. You're like, that seems pretty basic. Yeah, it is pretty basic. When he shows up on the scene and he starts meeting with people and crowds gather, kind of his first sort of request from his own mouth is this. Just follow me. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. This last winter camp was wonderful. I loved it. It was kind of bittersweet because I knew it was going to be my last winter camp, although I hadn't shared it with students uh, yet. 
and most of the mentors didn't know. And I was just taking it in. And what was so sweet is that that final moment, I get to kind of lead the communion moment at the end of our last message. Uh, and it was just a it was this message. Because I talked to mentors and so many students were wrestling with this. Like, uh, I just want to have all these dots connected. I, I, do I know enough yet to follow him? Have I, have I thought through everything? And I got to say in this communion moment at winter camp, this, this is what Jesus says. You boil it down, you read his story. He says this, follow me, follow me. Are you listening to the voice of Jesus who's saying, follow me? If you're senior, have you listened to his voice? Have you started following him? Maybe you're watching this like Luke said. We've got people showing up and watching our online experience and you're now, I'm watching this youth pastor guy and uh, I don't really know what church is and I'm starting to figure out who Jesus is. Here's what I want you to know. Here's what Jesus says. This is, this is his voice out of his word saying this. Follow me. Maybe your spouse asked you to watch this and you're checking it out. Here's, here's what he says. Don't, don't overcomplicate. Follow me. Follow me. Here's my question. Have you responded to the voice of Jesus telling you, follow me? That's the first thing we see Jesus' voice do. Here's the second thing. Jesus' voice also confronts you and will confront you with severe decisions. Well, that flipped pretty quickly. We were just talking about follow me, this sweet invitation, this, this gentle call. And to Jesus' voice now will confront you with severe decisions? Yes. Now, Nobody likes being yelled at. I'm not saying Jesus is going to yell. It's not tone. Jesus doesn't use tone to make a point. But Jesus does go for the dis, uh, areas of your life that are hard for you to let go of. Do you like being challenged? Do you like being confronted? Some of us do. Most of us don't naturally invite challenge or confrontation. But Jesus, here's what Jesus' voice is going to bring into your life. Challenges and confrontation. He is going to ask you to say no to things in this life that you don't want to say no to. That's just what he does. I went through a few of the stories in the Gospels. Jesus told someone to go. Uh, he says, follow me. And the guy said, I got to help bury my dad. He says, let the dead bury the dead. He's saying, leave, leave behind that which you love, your father, your family, and celebrating them in this end of life ceremony. Jesus says, leave them to do that. You come follow me. That's harsh. That's a that's something serious that we would have to really think about saying no to. Jesus told a man that wanted to follow him, okay, you can follow me. Go sell all your possessions and follow me. Now that is not a blanket statement Jesus makes for all of mankind, but for this man and for you and for me, Jesus is going to have very specific requests that are going to be hard to hear because he's asking us to say no to stuff that we are holding on to, that we love. Because he knows uh, that we're holding on to them. And we're not, if we keep holding on to them, we are building our life on the sand. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 29, he says this. This is one of the harshest statements of Jesus. It's, it, it's just, I'll just let it speak for itself. He says this. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And I think that summarizes what I mean by Jesus' voice is going to confront us. He's going to ask us to tear out things in our life that we can't imagine living without. Our eye, the other section says, cut off your arm. He asked that guy to sell all his possessions. Why would he do that? And here's, here's what I know. 
Jesus knows that the temporary pain that's going to come from us listening to his voice in those moments is far outweighed by the glory and the joy and the freedom and the life and the happiness and the peace that we have by letting those things go for the sake of following him. So let me ask you, have you responded to the voice of Jesus asking you to cut it off, to tear it out, to leave it behind? If you do, Jesus says you are building your house on the rock like a wise man. But Jesus says, if you hear my voice, even the voice that comes in this confrontational moment where I bring you face to face with something that you don't want me to be addressing. If you, if you don't listen to what I have to say in those moments, you were like the foolish man building your house on the sand. Jesus' voice is going to call us into these confrontational moments where we have to make severe decisions. Here's the third thing Jesus' voice is going to call us to. Jesus' voice calls us, calls you to radical love. What do I mean by that? Jesus is going to ask more of you than you think you could give another human being or other groups of people. He is going to call you to love in ways that seem crazy, that seem radical. Now, here's what I know about you kind of collectively as a youth group, as just a generation. This next generation has so much potential. I love reading books on different generations and uh, the baby boomers or uh, the silent generation or this generation. You guys are generation Z. I'm a millennial. Uh, what's the different generation? Generation Z has is just filled is uh, the word I like is kind of charged with all this potential in diversity and understanding of other worldviews and empathy and love and care and sort of a global outlook on the world. They're, we're not stuck in these sort of uh, chambers where we only see things our way. We really have this global, wonderful uh, perspective. You guys as Generation Z, you've been raised in just a, a global world and there's a ton of potential for you to love in mighty ways. Like love real people, real causes, real situations in these huge, huge ways. I think you're going to do a better job with balancing work and life. You're not going to make work everything. You're not going to abandon your homes because a lot of you come from broken homes and you're going to want those to be better. A lot of you are going to just really invest in the neighborhoods God call, has called you to because you see this disconnected way a lot of people live and you're going, to, you're going to want to be a central part of the community that you are living in. It's going to be great. You're going to do wonderful things. You're going to battle the same issues that have been around for a while. Racism and just the, the issues there. You're going to battle uh, issues of economic discrepancy. And you're going to, you're going to have, you, you just have a ton of potential. Like even as I just think about specific faces, if I picture, if I was teaching on a Wednesday night and all the students, like endless, I mean, I pale in comparison on what I was as an 18 year old compared to what I see in you. Ton of potential. But can I just be honest about one? Uh, you have more than one weakness, but as, as I want to boil it down, so here's one problem I see with you guys, the generation that you are a part of, just as a youth pastor, so not an expert, but somebody who's been around this for a while. Here's the one problem I see. I think you have an exit strategy out of everything. You're like, what is that? I don't like what you, I don't understand what I'm saying. And you want to turn off the TV right now, or t that's an exit strategy. You, you live in this world where you get to choose Endless options in every arena of life. School. How many different schools have you been to? How many different schools have you chosen from? Within a specific school. How many of you have been taken out of one class because of a teacher or an issue in that class and placed in another class? 
eating options, whatever it is, shopping options, clothing options, Amazon, whatever you want, TV options. I used to have when I was growing up, and I sound like an old guy, which I'm getting to be an old guy. My favorite shows happened at Friday night, TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. And I would have to wait and block off 7 o'clock to 7.30 to watch my show. You just don't have that category because you watch whenever you want and you turn off whenever you want. You have an exit strategy out of everything which makes it really hard to follow through on the love Jesus is calling you to because you always have a lever you can pull to get out of it. I just want you to just sit with this. You really, and it's maybe through no fault of your own, just the circumstances of the world we live in, you have an exit strategy. But I want to read this passage that gets to the heart of what Jesus says. It happens a couple chapters before this story, but in Matthew 5, verse 41, He says this, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Jesus says, in this day, if if someone asked you to go a mile and you actually went the whole mile like you were, all stars, star for days, high character award, whatever. That's amazing. That standard is, wow. Jesus says, the standard of the day is not is halfway to what I'm calling you. You go with them a second mile, which nobody in that culture would understand. Nobody would have done by just natural way of living. It was, it was foreign to how they thought. Just like in Jesus' day today, for you, for me, he calls us to do things that make no sense to us. He's going to say, go the second mile. And it's going to be hard because we have an extra strategy. I don't like to think of me going the second mile with people because it's, it's a vulnerable place to be to, to kind of hitch myself to someone and help them, not knowing really where they're going to take me. That's just scary. Some of you, it's going to be an issue because you like the praise of men too much. And you, and you know that going the second mile isn't going to get you that much more praise. So you kind of weigh it. It's like, I'll just, I'll just stay right here. So it's, the natural thing is to love when it's convenient with people who think like you talk like you, act like you. And Jesus says, that's not really love. That's just kind of basic human consumeristic interaction. You did this because they do this for you. And Jesus says, the love I'm calling you to is this. If someone asks you to go a mile, you go with them two miles. Let me just give you a question I've asked each time. Have you responded to the voice of Jesus saying, go with them two miles? Have you? I'll give you a very specific example where this is going to happen for those of you heading off to and moving out of your house. You're going to live somewhere and you're going to have neighbors. Maybe you're living in a dorm room or a sorority house or whatever it is, and you're going to have neighbors. And Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And then he clarifies, says, how much should I love my neighbor? If they ask you to go a mile, you go with them two miles. He's going to call you to very radical love of very specific people in your life. And you're going to have to, in your head, think, I, do I want to take this exit strategy because I don't, This girl, my neighbor, she is annoying. She's always belligerent. She drinks too much. She parties too much. There is nothing that she brings into my life that benefits me. And you could pull your exit strategy and avoid her at all costs. Or you could say, Jesus, you've asked me to go with her, not just one mile, but two miles. What can I do? What can I offer? What can I, what kind of blessing can I be in her life? So here's how you love radically. You start with the actual literal people that God has placed around you as you head off in this next season of life. And if I see you six months from now and you don't even know your neighbor's name, we're going to have words. Get to know them. Get to understand their story. 
And when they ask you to go a mile, Jesus says, go with them two miles. Why? Because in so doing, you're hearing the voice of Jesus and you're doing what he says and you're building your life on the rock. This takes me to our final way Jesus' voice is going to enter our lives. And it's this. I I thought of how to say this. This is the best way I can kind of sum up. And it's kind of just my summary statement for you as students of mine. It's this. Jesus' voice will speak words that seem too good to be true. Here's what's beautiful about being a Christian is you now enter into relationship with the creator of the universe. And it's not a distant relationship. It's an active relationship. You're both participating, speaking and listening to each other. And Jesus is going to say things to you that are more beautiful than you've ever heard. He's going to say words that just make no sense to you because you don't deserve that much love and adoration and encouragement. One verse that gets at this, Matthew 6, 26, Jesus is trying to get to the heart of how much he cares and how much his heavenly father cares for us. And he says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and let your, in in your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Part of being a Christian, part of the hard part of being a Christian is hearing these beautiful realities that Jesus speaks over us and actually trying to believe them. Like he's going to say things to you that are just crazy. He's going to say, you are 100% forgiven. Not just on that day where you had your act together, but on that day that you have kind of blocked out of your memory because it is such an embarrassing, shameful black mark on your life. You are 100% forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far your sin has been removed. And you have to sit in that and think, that's what the voice of Jesus is saying. What do I do with that? You listen to it and you do what it says, which means you trust that that is how God sees you. He's going to say, you are more loved than you'll ever know. He's going to say, I am with you throughout whatever dark night of the soul you're in. I am with you always. And that's going to be a struggle for a lot of you to really grasp that Jesus is with me. And it's going to be hard for some of you to grasp the fact that Jesus is for me, that he is actually has good plans, uh, joyful, prosperous plans for your life, and that he's going to build a place for you as a follower of Jesus, that he's going to bring you to one day. All these things that the Bible, the Bible is full of words that are just too good to be true. And we, like these two people in this story, sit here with this voice of Jesus coming at us, and we can say, we can listen to those words and disregard them, and in so doing, build our life on the sand. Or we can listen to them and build our life on the rock. Listen, you guys have an interesting world you enter into. It's, it's louder. It's more complicated. It's more interconnected. There's more images. There's, there's just more stuff coming at you than any other generation has ever had to deal with. And you walk through, I feel, I feel like you walk through this life and it's just this uh, tunnel of this hallway of mirrors. And you're constantly just walking through and being exposed and having to look at yourself and value yourself based off what you see on social media, what you see here, what you see there. You are just bombarded with message after message after message. And a lot of the messages are not speaking value to you like those words of Jesus. Jesus says this. He simplifies it. So as you head off, don't forget to look at the birds. Look up at the sky. We have a hummingbird nest in our backyard now, and I like to go and just look at these little baby hummingbirds. And if I wasn't a Christian, if I didn't have the Bible in my life, I would look at them, and I'd think they're cute, and i think they're wonderful, and maybe I'd dwell on them for a while. But as a follower of Jesus, I have the voice of Jesus in my life that now gets, lets me frame this, and I get to look at the birds and think, God cares about these birds. 
this much, this much, however much. And he tells me, don't I care about you infinitely more? Aren't you of so much more value than these birds? Have you listened to the voice of Jesus giving you value, speaking truth about who you really are in a world that is yelling at you with counterfeit stories about who you are and what your purpose is? Have you stopped and heard the voice of Jesus telling you, you are valuable, you are loved, you are forgiven, you are mine, I am with you, I am for you. There is nothing in this world better than being in a relationship with me. Have you listened to that voice? Here's my ultimate hope for you, that you would follow Jesus, that you would hear the voice of the one who made you, the one who died for you, the one who loves you, the one who right now sits on the throne and is in charge of all things and sees you and adores you and thinks the world of you. And he is still speaking now by his word to you. The question is, are you going to hear and do what he says? Because everyone who hears the words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. But Jesus ends with the warning. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Jesus' voice is alive and well. He's speaking. He's asking you to follow him. He's speaking words of of challenge. He's confronting you with specific issues that you need to listen to. He's calling you to radical love in ways that make no sense to you maybe right now. But then he's also, in the quiet of your heart, speaking truth about who you are. That you are loved. You are his. You are his treasured possession. I love you seniors a lot. I love all you students. But class of 2020, listen to the voice of Jesus and you will build your house on the rock. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our seniors. Thank you for just the flavor and the life and the energy and the joy and the passion and the unique perspective they bring to this church and to this world. But God, thank you also for your word that speaks to them and tells them that they are building their life on one of two foundations, the sand by not listening to you or the rock by listening and doing what you say. God, I pray for our seniors that they would hear your voice, that their life would be marked by this, that they listen for your voice, they listen to your voice, and they do what you say. If that is true of their lives, everything else pales in comparison. What matters most, that they hear you, that they do what you say, God. So make that true of their lives. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.